Uh, for those of you who I haven't met before, my name is Elizabeth, as Alan said. I am 34, I'm an actress, and I'm originally from Washington, uh, just down the road. And I encountered Jesus on the 29th of April in 2013. I'm a baby. <laughs> so, I guess the first thing that springs to mind when someone asks me about my testimony is to share that specific moment that I met Jesus on the 29th of April. Um, it's a great story. Um, however, it's so amazing. I actually wrote a one-woman show about it called Between Us. That is an hour and a half long. Don't panic. I'm not going to do that bit for you today. <laughs> but what I find is, um, at the end of that, at the end of Between Us, at the end of, of that show, is that moment where I meet Jesus. And it's always the questions that follow that that I find really interesting and that I'd like to share a bit about with you today. Um, I met Jesus in a toilet cubicle in a pub on Trafalgar Square in London. Um, I definitely wasn't drunk, um, and it, it was amazing. Um, but what most people usually ask me once they've, they've heard my story is how has my life changed since, since I met him, having been an atheist before? Why my relationship with Jesus has become the most important thing in my life? Is it just because of that one encounter that I had with him? And what's happened since that moment that affirms for me that Jesus really is who he says he is? So I'd quickly like to look at what my life was like before I met him. So in my work in the acting industry, small steps can be life-changing. It's a really fast-paced industry, and auditions are a really big part of my job. Um, I'd get really, really, really nervous walking into an audition room. And I think it's because I assumed in that moment that three other people, or four, whoever was sat behind that desk, that they held my fate in my hands. Every time I walked into that audition room, these strangers were deciding what my future was going to be, and that was terrifying. Um, when I did do big jobs, when I, when I got the job, um, the weight of doing that job well was all on my own shoulders, and that can be crippling, and I really, I suffered quite mentally with that on quite a few occasions, the pressure of having to do that job well and that all being down to me as an individual. In my personal life, I used to spend the majority of my time chasing feelings. I'd say great feelings and excitement were the peak. That was what I was looking for. Um, it meant I did whatever I felt like doing at any time to feel something good. And I found myself searching for a feeling of completeness, and I believed that real love with a partner, that that would complete me. So I looked to men. I engaged in intimate relationships with men, and if I'm honest, in the end, that really did leave me feeling quite used a lot of the time, and quite empty. I hated that feeling. I didn't understand why I felt like that afterwards. And looking back, deep down, I knew that I'd used them to chase a feeling. So I think I'd objectified someone in exchange of a feeling, and of course, in receipt of that, I was objectifying myself, I guess, and I felt pretty empty. I did fall in love a couple of times. Uh, they say you just know, and I really felt like I just knew. But then fear would creep in over time because 
the reality that my happiness and my joy was dependent on that one other person um, ended up feeling quite terrifying. It was too much for me to carry and too much for them to carry. I really couldn't see that at the time. It was kind of acceptable to be afraid when you're in love. That, that was just normal, I guess. And money was the main focus in my life because the more money I had, the more things I could do to feel good. In my spiritual life, it was non-existent in my 20s. I would have called myself an atheist back then, but literally just because it ticked a box, not because I gave it much thought at all. I didn't have any friends or family who were religious. Um, I hadn't grown up with anyone around me that was religious. I knew a lad at university who was a Christian, but he was really weird. And if you'd asked me back then about Christianity, I would have said it was weird. I thought Jesus was mythical. I just thought he was a mythical character. I only said his name if I was swearing to say it in any real context. Would have been, I would have felt uncomfortable about that. And I really thought the Bible was a rule book written by somebody who just wanted to control everybody. They were my thoughts back then. So how on earth have I ended up in a relationship with Jesus? In a nutshell, someone bravely gave me a Why Jesus booklet when I asked them, why is Christianity such a big deal to you? The conversation was a bit uncomfortable for me because I didn't really understand sort of what they were talking about. I felt a bit awkward when I asked them the question, really. I was just making conversation. So I took the Why Jesus booklet pretty much just to try and stop the conversation, really, and I put it in my handbag just to be polite and hoping that was the end of the conversation. I had absolutely no intention of reading it whatsoever. But I was ill in bed a few days later. I was really bored. And I saw the booklet in my bag and I just, I just read it. Um, and I was really surprised to read that it was historical fact that Jesus walked the earth. I didn't know that when I was 26. I had no idea. And the part that gripped me was um, on page 7, which is the C.S. Lewis quote, which I'm sure a lot of you will have heard before. But it says... Jesus claimed to be the unique son of God. C.S. Lewis pointed out that a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be insane. So you must make your choice. Either Jesus was and is the son of God or he's insane. And then I kind of couldn't get my head around the idea that an insane human being was still being worshipped like over 2,000 years after he died. That, I just could not make sense of that in my head. And so I thought, well, if all this is true in this booklet, then like, I'm well up for a relationship with the creator of the universe. I mean, that would be amazing. <laughs> so I was chatting to my life coach, Carol, uh, who I'd been seeing off and on for a few years for sessions um, to help me deal with pressures of my work. And I brought it up in conversation and she said to me, why don't you just open up your heart and just take down those barriers that you've got right there that I can see and just for a minute, just ask him if he's there. Why don't you just pursue him? Ask him if he's there. If he's there, he'll be there. And if he's not, well, then he's not. So I made the decision to give it a go. I didn't feel I had anything to lose. So I opened up my heart, I said the prayer that's at the end of the Why Jesus booklet, very helpful, and I asked him if he was there. Although I did have a lot of beef with God, I was like, well, if you are there, I don't understand why everyone calls you a man, that was a really big issue for me, I was like, that's really not okay, and I was also very cross about all the bad things that happen in the world, but I just thought, well, if you are there, then we'll talk about this later, and I'll just see if you are there first. So... Um, 
yeah, so I prayed, I prayed, I asked him if he was there, and I kept praying, and I kept telling him that I'd love a relationship with him if he's there. I kept praying for about two weeks, which I thought was a really long time, <laughs> and I was just about to give up, and I had my encounter with him, I met Jesus, and it changed my life. People ask me, because that moment, your encounter when you met him, was that not just like a one-off? Did you not just imagine it? And I say, no, because my passion for Jesus is because of the relationship, the two-way street that I really do have with him. When I experience huge blessings in my life now, and I give thanks to God for those blessings, people ask me, well, did you not just get lucky this time? Is that not just what that is? And I say, no, because Jesus was with me every single step of the way. He showed me which doors to open. He closed doors for me, held them open. And he allowed me to enjoy the journey with him, in relationship with him, guiding me every step of the way towards that blessing. So I want to thank him. It's a pleasure to give glory to him because he did it. People say, has she been brainwashed? And in my case, I say, by who? I didn't go to church before I met Jesus. I didn't pick up a Bible. I didn't speak to anybody about it in any depth. I read one booklet, and it gave me some facts, and I started to pray. So the only person that could have brainwashed me is Jesus. And if that's the case, then he is definitely real. (laughs) Jesus keeps pursuing a relationship with me, even though I know I don't deserve it. Even when I go the wrong way, a lot. And when I look back, he is just always there. And the only explanation I possibly have for that is love. His unconditional love. He is who he says he is. The many adventures he's taken me on since I met him, they have been way beyond my imagination. I couldn't have imagined what this journey would be like. In Peter's sermon here at Emmanuel a few weeks ago, he talked about leaning on Jesus. And he said that we come out of the wilderness by learning to lean harder and heavier on Jesus. And that's certainly been my experience so far. Now his word. I really couldn't access the Bible when I first uh, started to read it. I wanted to read it, but I found it really difficult. It was quite daunting. The language was a bit confusing. But I walked past a Christian bookshop where I lived in London at the time. And I bought a poster because it was a really nice poster. It caught my eye. Uh, And it had the well-known verse on it from Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And I put it up on my bedroom wall. And God really used that verse. It taught me the power of his word. And I learned how his word could be like a sword in my battles in my everyday life. Being a professional actress, it's a big challenge if you're between acting jobs and out of work. So you don't know what, every time a contract finishes, you don't know when the next contract's going to be, usually um, where you're going to be, where God's going to take you. Um, But I'm learning that in those times, it's often a huge season of growth, and it's a great opportunity to grow in trusting God. Not easy, but it's a great opportunity. So I'm just going to give you a little example of that. One of my biggest problems is that I really think I know best. All the time. (laughs) 
I think that I know what partner would be best for me. I know what job I should be taking. I know what will make me successful. I know what will bring me security. And I know what timing will be best. I tell him all the time. <laughs> I just finished playing a lead role in a number one musical theatre tour around the UK. I'd started writing Between Us to show about my testimony while I was on that tour. And I was stepping into a season of being out of work. A lovely producer called Bill Kenwright, who I do a lot of shows for, offered me the lead role in another, another national tour at the end of that contract. It was called Save the Last Dance for Me, and it was a year contract. But I'd already played that role about three years before. Um, so I said to my agent, no, thank you, I, I don't want to do that. I've played it before, um, and I think I want to do some plays instead, because plays will make me really serious, and therefore they'll make me really successful. And I'd never played the West End before at this point in my career, and I thought that plays would be the thing that got me there, so I said no thank you to the musical. A few weeks later, I'd had some really good auditions, some really good plays, I got really close to getting the job, but I didn't get any of the plays, didn't get the job. And Bill's office kept calling my agent and saying, are you sure Elizabeth doesn't want to do Save the Last Dance for me? That's really unusual in my industry because usually if you say no, then they get straight to it, recasting the part, and that's the door closed. But they kept calling, um, and I kept saying no, <laughs> naturally. Um, I completely ignored that that might be any sign from God whatsoever, because I knew best, and I was pursuing other things. <laughs> in the meantime, I was temping in a primary school. I was uh, struggling to continue to write between us about my testimony, because um, I didn't have many hours in the day, and I was very tired from the temping work that I was doing, so I found it quite difficult to write that show. And during that time, my pal Joe, who's a singer-songwriter, released an EP album. And there was a particular song that I really just could not get out of my head. Joe's not a Christian. It wasn't about faith or anything. But I was toying with an idea for a scene in between us. And, um, and yeah, I just thought, okay, God, I think you might want me to ask Joe to write some music here because I really just can't, with the words that I want to say, I can't express it enough. And this song's really expressing my feelings here. So I'm going to ask him. So I gave him a call and I said, look, Joe, would you like to write some music? And he said, yes. And I was like, brilliant. Um, and so we planned to write uh, together. Um, again, at the time, I was still like, well, you can write a couple of songs, but it's still going to be a play, <laughs> just like a couple of songs. It ended up a full-blown musical. Just, you know. um, and then, yeah, I just asked this to Joe, and he said yes. And then Ken Wright's office called again. And my agent said, I'm really sorry, Elizabeth. I know this is really strange. I've said no like six times now, but they've asked again. And I said no again. Then, a week later, I was at my home group in London, and I was really drawn to, the, to Proverbs from the poster in my room uh, at a meeting we were having. And so I went home and I prayed about it. I said, okay, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So I said to God, right. Oh, we got the verse. That's great. Oh, that's clever. <laughs> um, so I said to God, okay, I sat on my bed. It was 10 p.m. at night, and I said, all right, I'm going to trust you. I will trust you. If you open that door again for Save the Last Dance for me, but it would be a really bad idea. If you do, I promise I'll walk through it. However, they start rehearsals on Monday, so they've probably already cast it now. But if you really want me to do it, then, you, you know, they can offer it me again. It was 10 p.m. at night. I think it was like the Thursday. They were starting on the Monday. 
finished my prayer. I went to go to bed. It was 20 past 10 at night, and I got a text message on my personal phone from the musical director at Ken Wright's office. This, this is weird, because everything goes through your agent in my industry. And it said, hi, Elizabeth. We've been casting all day today for the part of Marie and David Lassant for me. Can't find anyone that we think is as suitable as you. Um, are you sure you don't want to do this job? Oh, wow. I was not happy. I wasn't like, thanks God. I was like, what are you doing? Oh my goodness, what? Like, no, this is such a bad idea. It's going to ruin my career. Like, oh, it was all, how am I going to write with Joe? I was really cross. I went into the bathroom. I was on the floor crying. Like, it was that bad news for me. Like, it was so bad. But I'd really prayed and I'd promised. And I was like, I'm going to have to do this and I don't want to do it. <laughs> I didn't get any sleep. I honestly stayed up all night, continuing to pray, be like, are you sure? Are you sure? And I was like, there's definitely not much more of a sign than that. So I was like, oh. So the next day I rang my agent and I said, okay, I'll, I'll do the job. And um, please don't think I'm ungrateful, but, you know, it was a great, it's a great opportunity, I know, but I just thought that I knew best. I didn't. And um, anyway, I had to call Joe to say, um, look, Joe, I've just accepted a job for a year. I'm sorry, I wasn't planning to. I know you said you'd write some music for me. I don't know how we're going to make this work. And he said, oh, well, hold on a second. I was just about to call you, actually, because I've just accepted a job as a musician on a musical for a year. And I said, oh, right, well, maybe we could do Skype or something. Like, maybe we could write over Skype. It's going to be really tricky. And I said, but well done, mate. Congratulations. What's the job? And he was like, oh, it's for Ken Wright. It's to save the last dance for me. So, we had a year on tour together, developing and writing between us. We pushed many more doors. I prayed into Proverbs many more times and many other verses from the Bible. And God just kept blessing us. And in the end, Between Us was picked up at the German Street Theatre, which is one of London's West, West End's most established theatres for new writing. My West End debut was my performance in between us, sharing my testimony to a sellout audience in my one-woman show. God is good, right? <laughs> People in my industry say, how on earth did you do that? You've never written before. You've never produced anything before. It seems impossible. And the only reason I can honestly offer is Jesus. He went before me. He showed me which way to go. He graciously blessed me, even when I was kicking and screaming. I have so many more stories like that over the last six years. I know who he is, who he says he is, because of the evidence he graciously and personally continues to show me in my walk with him. He helps me to know, and that blows my mind, because he doesn't need to do that I'm so excited to experience the many more adventures that Jesus has ahead. I think this is where I asked the band back up, so if the band would like to come back up. Um, so to close, I just really pray that for anyone already in a relationship with Jesus, that my testimony would be an encouragement to trust God, even when it's not easy. Um, do not let the enemy have a seat at your table. Go to God's word. Pick up the sword that he gives you for whatever battle you are facing right now and know that the future is more than we can possibly imagine when we are in relationship with the Almighty God. 
And for anyone else, even if you've never prayed before, you've never wanted to pray, I just really hope that my testimony is an encouragement to you to just ask the question, what have you got to lose? Just open your heart, just ask him if he's there, because when I explored that question, it changed my life. Thank you.